Please be seated. So I admit that I was pretty bummed out when I saw that the gospel text for my very first sermon at St. Wilfrid's has Jesus telling us to give up all our possessions and to hate our families. That really didn't seem like it was going to win me any friends at my new parish. And it certainly didn't sound like a very inspiring message for Rally Sunday. Those are very hard words from Jesus. They don't sit well with us. But the truth is, they didn't sit well with people in Jesus' time either. People in the first century struggled to discern Jesus' meaning the same as we do. We can ignore texts like this and pretend they don't exist, but that's not being faithful to God's word that's been entrusted to us. We can interpret them as metaphorical and say, oh, that's not what Jesus really meant. But in order to earn the right to say that any text is metaphorical, you first have to confront it head on and ask yourself, what if Jesus really does mean this? What if it means exactly what it says and we're not fit to be disciples if we don't give away everything, including our families? That would be pretty daunting to most of us to think that we weren't being good Christians because we didn't meet such a harsh test. But fortunately, this text has been paired with the epistle Philemon, which I think can illuminate the gospel and help us get to the heart of what Jesus wants from us. If you look at the passage from Philemon, what you see printed in your bulletins is actually basically the entire book. There's just three sign-off verses that have been cut off from the end. So this tiny little letter must have been really important to the early church in order to have been passed on to us in this fashion because it's a very odd text to be included in the canon. It's essentially a technical document writing off someone's debt. In this letter, Paul pleads on behalf of the slave Onesimus, asking Philemon to free him because he has now become a follower of Jesus. That makes them brothers, and clearly you cannot enslave someone that you call brother. Now, it's important to realize that in the ancient Near East, the culture in which this was written, slavery was very different than the barbaric conditions that we think of associated with the American context. Slaves were often treated well, especially household servants like Onesimus was. And in fact, the Greek word for slave, doulos, is the same as the word for servant. These douloi, douloi is the plural of doulos, these douloi were often given their freedom when they turned 30, and some were paid so highly that they could actually buy their own freedom or sometimes even have slaves of their own. And in fact, early Christians would sometimes voluntarily sell themselves into slavery and then use the proceeds from that to feed the hungry. So although, thank God, we're not allowed to buy and sell, sell ourselves or each other as property anymore, that economic system looked similar in some ways to our own. And in fact, a lot of these douloi were actually better off from a purely financial standpoint than modern low-wage workers. The people at the bottom of the ladder in our economy, economy typically end up in servant-type jobs, especially in the restaurant, retail, and hotel industries. They are the douloi for the rest of us. They receive an extremely low wage 
and no benefits so that we can enjoy luxuries that we wouldn't otherwise be able to afford. It's not slavery, but when Jesus says, give up all your possessions, he's not only talking about objects. We tend to overlook some of the more subtle ways that we enjoy economic abundance ourselves that are built upon the economic difficulties of others. Possessing the freedom of another human being can never be anything but unjust. And it puts the possessor, him or herself, under the bondage of an unethical system, the same as it does for the one who is enslaved. Paul hopes that Philemon will find joy in being free from that bondage, especially since by giving up Onesimus as his possession, he gains him as a beloved brother, a a brother in the flesh, according to Paul, meaning the same as if they'd been brothers from birth, brothers in Roman society, not just brothers in Christ. And we throw that around a lot. We say, my brother, my sister. But for Paul and the early Christians, they took that literally. And to become a Christian was to make yourself actually related in the flesh. So viewing Jesus' words about hating your family in this light becomes a warning against being tribal and only taking care of our own children and our own relatives and anyone who bears our genetic code while ignoring the needs of others, and in fact, sometimes at the expense of the needs of others. What if we thought all children deserved the same things our own children do? How would it change things if our own child's right to a $3 Happy Meal was at least as important as the right of the child of the worker who sold it to us to be able to have the same thing. It would make a big difference because right now, more than a quarter of fast food workers are parents who are struggling to provide basic necessities for their children on the poverty wages they earn from hugely profitable corporations. It's easy for us to understand that we need to give up our possessions if those possessions happen to be slaves. That seems obvious. But it's harder for us to see that in our context, we also need to free ourselves of benefiting from the labor of those who seem technically free, but in this economic reality of scarce jobs and low wages, really have very little choice. When we purchase our burgers and pizzas without supporting a fair wage for the fast food workers who sell it to us, we're benefiting from the hardship of people at the bottom of the ladder, just like Philemon was. And if we only love our own children and don't think about the children of those workers and other children also in difficult conditions, we're missing the opportunity that Paul holds out to Philemon of expanding our idea of family, our circle of care. This letter to Philemon has been lovingly passed down by our ancestors in the faith, not because it tells a story about some guy who got asked by St. Paul to free a slave, It was passed down to us because they saw the Holy Spirit in Paul's words. They understood this to be not a technical document about freeing a slave, but a profoundly spiritual document about making the move both in our hearts and in reality from seeing people as possessions to seeing them and treating them as brothers, as our equals, people that are not here to serve us, but whom we are called to serve. 
That is a radical shift to make. And that is not something that we can let sit on a Bible on a shelf somewhere and say, that was just something that happened in the past. That was about slavery, and and I've known slaves. That's true. But what we do have is people that we see as being there to serve us, and we treat them as less than fully our brothers and sisters. And that way of thinking is exactly what Paul woke Philemon up to, and it's what Jesus hopes to wake us up to in this gospel. I can't possibly imagine what Onesimus must have felt like. But I do know what it's like to feel set free. After I left home from Texas at the age of 18, fleeing an abusive and controlling mother, and went to New York City, I felt set free. In the process for ordination over the past 10 years, I've had some difficult and hurtful times, but when I got ordained this past June, I felt free from all of that hurt. This past Sunday, I got to experience a different kind of being set free. Rather than being set free from something, I felt set free towards something. The warm and loving welcome that I received here from all of you at St. Wilfred's made me feel set free towards who God is calling me to be and what new ministries I'm called towards and to live fully into that. And I hope that you all can get a taste of that kind of being set free towards something as we begin this new program year. You may not even know yet where God is leading you, but today Jesus gives you freedom to get rid of any possessions that might be inhibiting you whether it's objects or old ways of thinking. Today, you are set free from the tyranny of selfishness that closes us off from the needs of our brothers and sisters and prevents us from being the ministers, the Christians, the human beings that God is calling us to be. That is liberating, and that is something we can rally behind. Thankfully, we're not called like the early Christians to sell ourselves into slavery and give that money to the poor. But imagine what St. Rilford's would be like if by this time next year we could say we've been set free from possessions we don't need and set free towards opening up our definition of family in some way so that by the end of the year, you each have an Onesimus in your life, someone that you never would have thought of before as a brother or a sister but that now you treat like they're your own family. That is the life-giving gospel of Jesus Christ that we are called to live into this coming year. And the good news is that from what I have seen already from you and this congregation and how you are able to care for and love and support each other, I know that you can do all this and even more. And God and I both cannot wait to see what's going to happen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.